you know, if kids are forced, 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 forced to do all this stuff, what's their experience with God? We don't have to have this perfect rigid structure all the time. Welcome to The Dismantle, creating community, not converts. Welcome to Dismantle Podcast, a place for community, not converts. I'm your host, Joey. On this show, we attempt to dismantle an issue that poses as problematic for the church by having a discussion with a guest who has insight or experience with that subject. Now, we're not always going to agree. That's okay, but we're not going to argue because our goal is to build bridges and not barriers. Our guest today is Seth Dahl. Seth is a writer and worldwide speaker for adults and kids. Seth, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Joey. Good to be here. Yeah, it's exciting to connect, and uh, I'm glad we're talking about this topic today. Uh, before we dive into it, man, how did you get introduced to church, to faith? What's some of your background with spiritual stuff? Um, so a bit of a journey. So I grew up, my mom took me to church since I was a baby. So I, I was in church my whole entire life. Um, but really, when I was five years old, so my parents were divorced when I was almost one, um, but when I was five years old, I was like the only kid in kindergarten that couldn't tie my shoes. Like I just, no one could teach me. And I laid down in, in, in my kindergarten class for a nap. Like we always took naps then. And so I take this nap and in the nap, in the nap, I have a dream and father God walks up to me in the dream, kneels down and teaches me how to tie my shoes. And as soon as he taught me how to tie my shoes, I woke up, <clears throat> looked around the room. Everybody's still asleep. Teacher's at her desk, and my shoes are untied. So I, I lean up, I grab my shoes, and for the first time in my life, I tied my shoes. And I'm like, so I had this at five years old. I had this foundation of like, wow, God really taught me how to do something I need for the rest of my life. And it, no. No adult could teach me. My friends couldn't teach me. God just came and met me in a dream and taught me. So I think that was my first introduction to spiritual things. But then obviously, like coming from a divorced home, you know, I did the religion thing for a really long time and just went back and forth, really struggling, end up on drugs, just going completely nuts, coke, meth, acid, mushrooms, ecstasy, marijuana, cigarettes, porn, um, snorting four pills four or five pills of ecstasy every day just completely off the rails for a while and um was gonna kill myself had a gun in my mouth and started to cry and just said i wish i would have listened to my parents and my teachers and my pastors and i wish i could start my life over i wish i could just be born again and somebody walked into the room when i said that and said you must be born again and so I knew who was talking to me because I was a kid in kids church, you know, so I'm like, I, Jesus, if you're real and you can make me born again, I need you to make me born again or I, I'm going to kill myself. Like I've ruined my life. I've ruined my brain. I've ruined everything. And I just fell asleep weeping and wake up the next day completely delivered from drugs. All of a sudden I'm in ministry like three days later at my friend's nightclub for skater punks and sharing my testimony, not even knowing what I'm doing. Like, wow, I just met Jesus again for the first time, really. And like, so, you know, then I, I went into ministry for four years in New York City and got back into religion quite a bit. And then uh, moved to Redding, California to Bethel um, School of Supernatural Ministry and just 
took a year to learn to be in a relationship with God again and not do ministry. And that was the best year of my life. And so from, from there on, it's kind of been this journey of ministry, but also ministry with God, not for God. And yeah, so five years old, 23 years old was the second time I really had an encounter with God that delivered me from drugs. And so I think that's how I really got into it. That's a powerful story, man. Thank you. And thanks for sharing that, um, which is really a great segue to what we're talking about today, which is parenting. Um, Seth, you focus on spirit-led parenting. Just so we're all on the same page moving forward in the conversation, what does that mean? Um, so to me, being spirit-led is the great privilege of sons and daughters of God. You know, um, Romans, I think it was Romans, Paul says, uh, those who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. And so it's like, to me, it's the great privilege. Like we're not in parenting alone. We're not in it just with psychological books from psychology, children, psychologists, children, pediatricians, all, you know, it's like, we're not in this just in our heads and just in, um, in the information realm. We're, we've got a Holy spirit that is the spirit of the father that is accessible and willing to help us and lead us and direct us. And so, you know, part of it is, Hey, we're not alone in this. We're not by ourselves. He'll talk to us. He'll guide us. He'll help us. This is his ultimate joy is family. Like he is family and he created family and he started all this with the family and even Israel, the country, the nation started as a family. And like he is, he's all for family and he's willing to help. He's available to help. And the other side of that is we've had way too much religion led parenting. And so finding that of like, how do I actually follow God and not just religion you know and re the essence of religion is working really hard to get what's already yours you know or to become who you already are so the serpent comes to eve and says hey if you eat that fruit you'll be like god but she was already made in his image so do something to become who you already are you know with jesus he says if you're the son of god turn stones into bread do something to prove who you are to demonstrate who you are to earn who you are and so religion in essence is performance for something that's already given to us by God. And so living, living from that place of, I actually want to follow God and, and work with God, not just for God and not just from earthly perspectives. Um, but I also don't want to, I want to live in, in spirit and not in religion. I want to follow the Lord, not the, not the performance stuff, which can happen quite a lot in Christian families. You know, you get, I just did a thing with some worship stuff and I'm like, you know, sometimes as parents, we get in a worship service with our kids and we get, um, you know, we get afraid of what other people are going to think of us. So we, we try to get our kids to perform because we're now performing for them. Like I got to get my kids to, to behave themselves in this service. Otherwise other people are going to think I'm a bad parent or right, whatever. And it's like, Oh, well, I'm trying to make my I'm I'm trying to get my kids to perform in worship and and performance is never authentic worship and I'm performing for them rather than like you know what who cares what they think maybe maybe if I'm just loving with my kids and patient with my kids and maybe if I engage with my kids instead of try to get them to 
do something kind of behavior in a service, it won't even matter what they think, but they'll probably go, wow, that parent stayed patient when all hell seemed to be breaking loose. What a great parent. You know, it's like, you'll get what you're, you were trying to get through performance. You'll get it by not doing it. So all of that to say, spirit-led parenting, walking with God together in this and not being very a lot of people will connect to it, especially because our culture and our society sort of elevates parenting as the greatest job in the world. And and if we're honest, many parents don't feel that way. You know, there's a there's a physical component that's draining and thankless and sometimes overwhelming. Uh, do you think that the religious aspect of quote unquote parenting, you know, leads to that that disconnect between what we say and, and how we feel? because we need to perform? Absolutely. So that's definitely a huge element. Like if I'm performing for everyone around me and for God, I have no rest. I have no peace. I have nothing but, you know, I potentially just have low level anxiety all the time. I never am certain if I'm good enough. I'm never certain if I'm wanted or, or if I'm loved or whatever. And I just, you know, I, I impart that to everyone around me and my children. And so that can definitely be something that drains the life out of us. Obviously, the physical element is a lot. Um, you know, I think sometimes, too, it's like we do want to keep in mind, like, in a sense, parenting is, it is the greatest privilege ever. It's like God allows us to step into an identity that is his. Like, wow, I let you and you and me he lets us be fathers and he lets us create humans and he, you know, and our wives, he allows them to be mothers. I'm like, and so in a sense, it's like, this is the greatest privilege in the world. And now I know what God puts up with all the time with all of us. And like, this is hard. It's the hardest thing in the world. It can be the most scary thing in the world. It can be the most draining thing in the world. It can drive us absolutely bonkers. And so I think you know, part of being spirit led too is like, wait a second, I don't, I'm not performing for anybody else. I'm not trying to get God to be okay with me. He loves me. He loves my kids. He knows my kids. You know, let me, let me do this from rest. Let me do this from peace. Let me, I'm, we're good with God. I, I don't care what other people think. I'm not trying to get my, my congregation or whatever to we're not, we're just not performing for them, which I think part of, you know, that's part of why pastors kids typically go off the rails too. It's like, they've only lived a life of performing for the congregation. And so it's like, you know, man, that makes parenting horrible and it makes it really hard. And it's like, I mean, it's hard. It makes it harder because whenever we're in anxiety, whenever we're in performance, whenever we're in stress, it's like, it makes hard things just so much worse. You know, one example I give is like, dude, sometimes I'm like, sometimes I could sleep 10 hours and I still feel exhausted. And other times I can sleep five hours and I'm like, I feel so good. Like, I'm great. Like, oh, it doesn't matter how much sleep I have if I'm, if I'm not in rest internally. And it also, if I am in rest, it doesn't matter how much sleep I have. I could have five hours of sleep, but if I'm peaceful on the inside and at rest on the inside and not trying to manage what everybody else is thinking about me or know what he's thinking about me, 
and his love for me, then it's like, fine, I'm not worn out. I'm not. So I think that's a, that's a huge factor too, is, you know, our, our relationship with God is a huge factor in that as well. And how we, how we are in that space decides it, it affects greatly how worn out our perspective of what parenting actually is. You know, there's times where I'm like, dude, this is rough. This is so rough. But I also don't want to go, this is so, this is so rough. I lost God's perspective of this. You know, I want to go, this is rough and this is hard. God help. And sometimes I just remind myself, like, I'll just go look at my kids. Like, I'll look at them through that lens of like, let me look at you right now at 10 years old, but look at you as if you're that newborn baby I'm holding. And let me reconnect to that joy and that love because this is so rough. Let me make sure while I'm being honest about how hard this is, I'm also clinging to what I know to be the truth of like, this is awesome at the same time. So let me ask a, maybe a separate question, but you know, it's not, it's something I never really thought of until I became a parent. Uh, the, the transference of faith, you know, we always say, especially at, at, kids camp like your faith is your own it's not your parents um so there's this tension between allowing kids to experience god and shoving our beliefs down their throats how does this spirit-led approach balance between allowing experience and information to not overpower each other what does that look like i obviously love the bible a ton and i have i read the bible pretty much every day I have a huge value for it. I want my kids to love the Bible, to love the word. You know, I love that. But I had one time where my daughter was like, dad, I don't want to read the Bible anymore. Don't read me the Bible. And I'm like, oh, and I felt like I heard the Holy Spirit say, don't, don't force her. And I was like, okay. So I'm like, cool. You don't want to read the Bible? No sweat. But then I'd find us like driving in the car and she'd ask this question, and I'd preach this whole mini sermon to her. And I'm like, wow, I drop her off at school. I'm like, wow, I just had the most powerful time with my kids. Like, they're all in the back seat, just taking it in, receiving. It's like, wow, oh, when she didn't want it, I didn't force it, but I, I totally unloaded when she was open. And she opened up in the car. She's not, she's not open in the house right now, she's open in the car. And she totally, it was like they were pulling it out of me and they were receiving. I'm like, wow. And so I think, you know, being spirit led is being aware of that. Like for one, it's like, okay, sometimes the worst thing you can do is try to force stuff down your kids' throats and instead live it out in front of them, demonstrate it. You know, my son right now, my eight-year-old son, it's like, he is not that, he's like, no, I, I don't want to pray. Like, I'm like, hey, son, will you pray for dinner? He's like, no. And he's not like a, he just is in this place. I'm like, yeah, don't, I don't want to pray. And I'm like, okay. But then there's times where I'll feel the Lord just like, you know, the other day we were getting out of school. I'm like, hey, I want us all to pray this together. I'm going to lead us. I want you to pray this together. And he's totally engaged and he's totally praying. I don't know why it is. I mean, maybe this is just our family. And I'm kind of realizing this more and more as we're talking, but like the car for us is where we have these powerful, powerful moments. And so I think being spirit led has the, the essence of like, I'm not trying to force anything. I'm actually watching for the right opportunities and the right moments. 
And so, you know, I didn't force my daughter to read the Bible every single day in her room, but I can definitely fill her with the word while we're driving in the car. I can fill her with, with revelation and, and scripture and stories of Jesus while we're driving. Like, but I don't have to force it home. I'm looking for opportunities, you know, when the Holy Spirit's like, there you go, boom. It's like, wow, we have this powerful time. And then, you know, I had this, this time months later where I noticed my daughter is not going to bed, her lights on. So I peek my head in the door and she's sitting there reading her Bible. I'm like, Hey babe, what are you doing? She's like, Oh, I just read the whole Bible. Like her kids Bible. I'm like, Oh, I didn't force you to read the Bible when you didn't want to. Now I can't stop you. You're just reading the whole entire thing and you you're staying up late. I'm like, man, I'll let you stay up late and, and be tired for school. Cause you're just pouring over the Bible on your own and I like and I realized like oh I didn't force her and I think sometimes as parents were like you know I have to do a devotion with my kids before school I'm like you know what I never try to do anything before school except breakfast and feed the dogs and get dressed because if I try to force that stuff in the morning it's like well what's what's the experience my kids are having and this was the same with kids church with us like when I ran kids church for 14 years in different in California and New York is like, you know, if kids are forced, 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 forced to do all the stuff, what's their experience with God? You know, if I force my kids to have a devotion in the morning rather than like, let's have a devotional conversation at night or over dinner or in the car or whatever, like I'm I'm we don't have to have this perfect rigid structure all the time where we're a little bit lax. Of course we have things we do every day, but I'm like, um, you know, if that's their experience and they're always stressed out and they're always rushed and they're always pushed and it's always a hurry to try to get out the door and, and they have all this stuff. I was like, well, what's your experience with the Bible? What's your experience with God? Oh, it's always rushed and forced and, and we have to do it before we go to school and we have to, da, 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 da. Like, I don't want my kids to have to do anything. I want my kids to love God and love the Bible so that they have to do it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I like this. I enjoy this. I'm, I'm not forced to go to church all the time. Of course, there's times where it's like, hey, we need to do some things we don't actually feel like doing. That's just real life. Like, sometimes you got to do stuff you don't feel like doing. But then other times it's like, yeah, you know what? Cool. Let's, I'm not going to force you right this minute because I want you to actually have a good experience where you go, I actually like this because you didn't make it this forced thing all the time. So I can remember when I had my first daughter about four years ago, two, literally two days later was the Orlando nightclub shooting. And my immediate thought was, holy crap, what have I done? I just, I just brought a kid into this. And, and I think more often than we'd like to admit, worry does play into our parenting at times. We're, you know, we're concerned for our kids, and I think that's a natural thing. But how do we engage in the world and the reality of the world without letting worry control how we parent. Yeah. And I think this is, this is also a big topic. It feels like to me, there's this whole, like, you know, I think we got to keep in perspective, like the world feels psycho right now. And it is, it's quite crazy, but it's also been crazy throughout history. Like this, this isn't, we've had some pretty rough times 
throughout history. You know, it's like 70 AD, Jerusalem, you got the Holocaust, you got World War One, World War Two, you got civil war. You got like we've had some also some rough times just in America, but also long ago before this, we've had a lot of rough times. But what we've got to keep in mind, one one element of this is we've never been able to broadcast bad news like we can now. So it's like, you know, a hundred years ago, the same level of craziness could have been going on, but nobody knew it for like a week at least, or, or a few days, because it just took the news a long time to travel, you know, maybe a couple hundred years ago or, or whatever. So sometimes I try to keep that in mind. I'm like, okay, I, I have access to every single bad thing happening in the world all the time and instantly. And I, and it's on a video. So I can actually, it actually looks to my head like I'm there. It looks to my brain like I'm in it. I can feel the emotions. I'm not just reading it on a newspaper and black and white ink the next morning or watching it on the news at 6 p.m. And it's like, they're just talking about like, oh no, we're watching live video from the actual scene. Like, so I think we got to keep that in mind. Like, hold on. The world has been crazy for a really long time. We've had some wild stuff happen, but right now we're overloaded with, with our ability to broadcast it and show it. So for me, that's one thing. So there's times where I'm like, you know what? I'm actually not going to look at the news for a little bit. Like I'm actually right now I'm on a little political sabbatical. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm kind of done with all the politics stuff. Like this is, this is a lot and this is crazy. And I'm like, okay, I'm not actually going to read anything political or listen to anything political for like a week. And I'm going to see how I do. And I'll find out what happened in the next few days or whatever. I'm like, I just need a mental break so that I'm not stressed out. I'm not worried. Of course, I want to know what's happening in the world. So, okay. So that's one side of it. The other side is like, dude, how do we handle this? Um, yeah okay there's a shooting down the road like you that i we had a shooting down the road to like three blocks from my kid's school when we lived in la in thousand oaks i came in shot up a nightclub same kind of deal um it wasn't aimed i think yours was aimed at the homosexual community ours was just kind of everybody um and so there was this whole like dude my kid's school is like right there and this happened in our neighborhood and so it's like okay i think you know, as a parent, I, I want to filter the news to my children. So I, I'll watch that stuff and pay attention to that stuff. And I'll tell my kids what's going on through a filter. So I'm also trying to keep in mind, they're younger, they, they're, they're not going to reason through this as much this, this might traumatize them. So I'm actually going to like, filter it for them. I'm going to tell them in an age appropriate way what's going on. So hey, somebody went in with the gun and they they started shooting and they hurt some people and killed some others. And it's really scary. I'm not going to let them watch the videos at four and seven and 10 and whatever, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to show them the videos. I'll watch them. I'll talk to them about it. I'm like, I'm not going to make my kids grow up too soon. But for me, I, I'm like, you know, there's the verse first Peter five, eight that says, um, or six, six, seven. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. I'm like, okay. So a couple of keys in this verse for me are like, all right, if humbling myself is casting all my care, my anxiety, my worries on him, then if I'm carrying that stuff around, I'm in pride. Humility is casting them off to him. 
pride is carrying them because pride in essence is like, I want to play God. I want to be God. And I'm trying to carry stuff that only you can handle. So I'm actually going to, so for me, it's like, sometimes I, for me, I have to journal. Like if I journal, it's like, I, I get it out of me and I process it. And while I'm writing God, like, God, like, I don't know, he changes how I see things through journaling. So like literally yesterday, I'm seriously sitting there for like two hours, just writing, processing everything going on. And at the same time, like, oh, it's getting out. It's getting out. I'm not keeping it. I'm giving it to you. And the other side of that is casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. And I think that's, that's what anxiety tries to do to us is get us to forget how cared for we are. And it's like, dude, I see the, I see the shooting happening. I see the riots. I see all this stuff. I see the injustice. I see the things going on. I'm like, oh, Lord, I, I got to remember you care about all of this and and you have a plan for all of this and you you've got solutions for all of this but if i hold on to it and try to play you i can't get your solutions i'm stuck with mine and that's usually not a good place so i'm like wait a second i'm cared for you love me you love them you love this this group of people you love that group of people you love my family I'm scared like crazy right now, but if I hold on to this, I'm only moving more and more into agreement with what the enemy's trying to do. He's the ultimate terrorist. He's the ultimate fear monger. He's the ultimate, you know, he's trying to get us out of love into fear. So then we foster that in everything that we do. And so I'm like, for me, it's, I got a journal. I got to turn off the news sometimes. I got to take a little vacation for a week and then I got to process it age appropriately for my kids. I think one thing parents do, I don't like, I think is a mistake is to just watch the news and let the news do whatever it's going to do with our kids present. Like I, I watch the news separately and filter it to them, but this is like, okay, I need to use wisdom. I want to be wise. I want to expose my kids to things at age appropriate ways um, with the right language that I would use for them. I don't want to hide stuff from them, but I do want them to approach everything in a healthy way. And so I want to guide those conversations. That can be a huge key to go, you know what? There's a lot of crazy stuff going on, going on here. Let me be the first one to talk about it. And at some point it's like, okay, I have to choose worry or trust at some point where I'm like, you know what? Am I, am I scared sometimes? You know, we had some crazy riots in Austin. Like I had to tell my kids like, Hey, we actually might come upon one of these, like this, the roads might be blocked and stuff might be happening. Like, okay, okay. We're going to have to face this, but how do we face it? And how do I go? All right. If I worry about this, I'm ruined. Or I can go, you know what? I, I don't know what's happening, but God, I got to trust you. And and that's where I'm going to live. I'm going to do my best with you to help raise my kids to change this stuff, not to let it change them. As we, as we wrap up our conversation, a lot of what we've been talking about has specifically been about individual approaches to parenting. And obviously that's because it's aimed at parents. How does the church come alongside parents to better engage in raising kids that can encounter God in healthy ways that don't push religion down their throats and that give space to react instead of forcing the subject upon them. Yeah. Oh, I think as a church, you know, 
it's the first place is probably to recognize you aren't the parents. And so it's not fully your job. You know, your job is to come alongside parents and families and support them and, and, and supplement what they're doing, not replace what they're doing. And so it can be challenging because when I was a children's pastor, it was like the parents who needed it the most were the ones that never came to anything that we did. And, you know, I tried email, I tried texting, I tried Instagram, I tried Facebook, I tried um, sending the papers home. We would communicate every single way we possibly could. And it's like, yep, the paper ends up on the minivan floor, the email never gets read, the video never gets watched, the Facebook message never gets open. And so, you know, there's always going to be a challenge to that. I think also what the church could do is make sure that from the from the platform that that talks to parents, you know, the adult service, typically you have the adult service and the children's service. And so, you know, the, the platform, the people on that platform communicating, we want to help strengthen you as families, our children's ministry, our family ministry is here to strengthen you. We're available to you. We're going to, we have some classes going on that can help you. We're available. If you need counseling, like, please let us know. We're praying with you for you. We're here. I think that can help kind of create a mindset in the families of like, Oh, if I need help, I can get it. Oh, there's training available. Oh, there's, there's conversations available. Um, so I think the, you know, the senior passer and the senior team can communicate that from the front to the adults, the children's team can go, whatever I need to do to supplement. Hey, like we would do lessons and we'd send out something that was like, here's something you can do at home this week. Or one thing I did that was amazing was I, it worked really well for us for a while was I, I said, we're going to go through the Bible and we're going to teach kids the Bible. But I, I set it up so I, we could tell parents like, Hey parents, next week we're teaching on Moses being born and getting in the river and Pharaoh. And so we're, we're asking you to please read that story with your kids and then we'll send you questions home. So what we were trying to do is kind of foster a thing of like, our team is reading the same story all the parents are reading. And then we're giving them, you know, it's like the kids are reading it. Then they're coming in, learning about it. And then we're sending them home with questions for the parents to talk throughout the week. And so we try to create a real holistic approach in that sense of like, let's let's all do this together. Let's be in this together. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it was a challenge. Like, I think, like, the way I would describe it, and I, I say this, I've said this over and over, is like, you know, Psalm 127.4 says, children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior, and blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Well, right now, if you were to go buy some arrows, you go to the sporting goods store, you pay 50 bucks, and you walk out some machine built you some perfect arrows that are going to fly straight, hit the mark do the damage they're supposed to do, whatever. They're razor sharp. But in the Bible, back then, there wasn't a sporting goods store that you just go to and buy your arrows. No, like if you're the warrior, you you had a huge part in shaping your arrows. And I think one thing, one of the mindsets that needs a break in Western Christianity is that for one, the church needs to go, this is not all my job. It's my job to supplement and to help parents and assist them. And the parents need to go, this is not all the church's job. 
this is my job and the church is here to supplement me and help me kind of like i would say you know it's the it's the warrior that goes i want that branch i'm picking that branch i'm shaping that branch and then i'm going to go to my friend and say bro I need an arrowhead that's gonna that's sharp. I need a really good arrowhead for this arrow. And so you get the church that puts the arrowhead on. You get the Christian school that puts the fletching on the back and you work together as a community. But it's like, I've got to realize as a parent, this is my job first, not theirs. And the church has to go, I'm not the replacement. I'm the supplement. I'm And, and that, just the mindset alone can help figure out the how a little bit of like, how do you connect with your parents? Is it classes? Is it is it videos? Is it blogs? Whatever. How do you do that? Do you send them free resources that you found somewhere? Do you do a class and play someone else's videos? And you know, like the how can work out differently in different communities and congregations. But I think that mindset of like, parents, your mindset is, it's my job. They help me. Church, I help them. I'm not replacing them. This is not my and the school too. the school like, wait, we're going to have chapel or whatever we do. If you go to a Christian school, like I'm not replacing the parents. I'm trying to strengthen the parents and help them. And so, you know, you create a camp. It's like create a camp that involves the parents, create a conference that involves the parents. Like I had oh, one more fast story. I I'm like, I'm totally rambling, but I, I'm like, this is the good. Like I was a children's pastor for so long. And everything that we did was was kids separate from parents. And I went to Austria and the pastor's like, hey, we're doing something with kids and parents together. And if I'm honest, I was scared. I'm like, oh, Lord, you got a bunch of parents in the room. What's going to happen? Like, how is this going to go? Like, oh, my goodness. And I get there and we have the most incredible time. So much so I, I get on the plane to come home and I'm in, I don't know, some some European country in the lounge. And I have this idea, I have this thought cross my head, cross my mind. I don't know if I believe in kids church anymore because of what I saw, the power of a church training children and parents together. And it wasn't like mom getting in the car, picking up little Timmy and going, hey, Timmy, what'd you learn in kids church today? Well, what'd you learn at the conference? How was the workshop for you? Oh, mom, you know, and little Timmy was like, it was good. Well, what'd you learn? I don't know. Like, oh no, there is none of that because it's like, oh my gosh, these parents and kids encountered God together. They heard God's voice together. We did activations in the Bible together. We did these, um, you know, we came to the cross and left all our junk at the cross together. And the parents and the kids did it all and we were vulnerable together. I'm like, dude, I was a wreck to the point where I'm the children's pastor traveling the planet, helping children's pastor going, I don't know if I believe in this anymore because of the power of parents and kids together and it's you know that helped me move on my journey to go let's aim at parents we have to aim at parents we have to help parents not just have powerful churches we have to have powerful homes otherwise we're not even creating real christianity that's that's another element like christianity is not what we do on sunday it's who we are and so if what happens in church isn't happening in home it's not the proper expression jesus intended it to be it's not it's not a lifestyle. It's a performance. Again, to go back to that, it's like, oh, this is what we do on Sunday morning and we learn and then we talk and then we go about our lives and do it. No, no, this is who we are. This is us all the time. We just, we just live this out. We just go, this is, this is, this is our whole life, not our Sunday morning routine. Um, even though Sunday morning routine can be a huge part of it, but all of that to say, gosh, 
it's our job. We, we got to figure out how it's probably going to play out in way different ways in different communities, but the mindset alone can help get us heading in that direction. I think. Those are great thoughts, man. Thank you. And, and thank you so much for being on the show. Tell us a little bit about the book and where people can connect with you online. Okay. The book is called Raising Spirit-Led Kids. Um, SethDahl.com, just my name, all one word, is where I've got blogs, trainings. My shop is there for books and everything. Um, I've got other books. I've got curriculums for churches. I've got stuff for parents, stuff for kids. We've got all kinds of resources right there on SethDahl.com. But then I have a Facebook group called Spirit-Led Parenting. With Seth Dahl, it's totally free, just a Facebook group. I interact a lot on there. Um, and then Instagram is probably my most I'm on there most really is Instagram so Instagram Facebook and the Facebook group and sethdahl.com that's awesome man we'll make sure we throw it all in the show notes but again thanks for being on the show yeah thanks for having me so good to be here and that wraps up this episode of The Dismantle. Thanks so much for listening. You can connect with us on Instagram or shoot us an email at dismantlepod at gmail.com. Until next time, don't complain about the things you're not willing to change. 